Hello, and welcome to the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and I'm one of the leading experts in online mediation. I have personally been mediating online for over five years now, and I have my own fully online family law mediation and coaching practice. Two years ago, after so many of my colleagues reached out wanting to know how I was doing it, I created the Learn to Mediate Online training program. And to date, I have personally trained thousands of mediators in how to successfully conduct their mediations through an online platform. As a leading figure in the online mediation movement, I am privileged to be on the cutting edge of developments and advances in online practice. And this podcast has been created to share that information with you. So tune in each week to get the inside story on how to mediate online. I invite you to now listen to today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and my guest today, well, if you're in the world of family law, my guest today needs no introduction, but I'm going to give you a little rundown on Randy Kessler, just in case those of you out there are listening are not in the family law world. So Randy is a friend and colleague from um, Atlanta, Georgia. He has a very high-profile divorce practice there. He founded um, a firm, his, his firm there. Um, Kessler and Solomiani. I want to make sure. Solomiani, you did it great, Susan. That was Yay! Great. I was. I get was a little awesome. worried about names, but uh, Kessler's easy for me. Solomiani was getting a little nervous, That's but perfect. it's perfect. a. Uh, and, and my favorite part about your law firm is that it's a thirty-person, thirty-person boutique family law matrimonial <laughs> firm. All right. So. <laughs> but they and and Randy, if I if I mention some of the, let me do a little bragging on Randy. Um, if I can mention a few of the entertainers and athletes and cases he's been involved in with Nene Leakes, Dominique Wilkins, Michael Jordan, Evander Holyfield, Ludacris, Usher, Andre Risen, and Nick Gordon. Just to name a few. Uh, pretty much if you, especially if you are in the Atlanta area um, and getting a divorce. But Randy, you handle cases all over, really, or, or called in on cases all around the country, aren't you? Every now and then, someone, you know, especially, you know, there's some athletes that happen to play basketball in other cities, and we do a good job for them in Atlanta. So they say, will you help me with my case in LA or Chicago, like you? But generally, we try to stick to George. But, you know, it's fun to get to go out and see how other court systems work and learn what we do right and what we do wrong here in Georgia and try to make it better. So, yeah, well, yeah, you and I were just, just talking before we, we got started taping, and you reminded me of something that I had forgotten. And Georgia, you, maybe you're the only state, you have jury trials for family law cases. As a matter of right, either side can say, I want a jury. I think Texas does it for some of the parenting time, but we do it for all the money issues except attorney's fees. At the last second, you can say, I don't like this judge. I think I'm going to ask for a jury crazy that i never didn't even know it was a possibility before you and i spoke the first time so just a couple other quick notes on uh, randy Uh, he has written several family law books including divorce protect yourself your kids and your future the georgia library of family law forms and how to mediate a divorce Um, so for those of my listeners out there who are wondering if this litigator knows mediation 
he wrote one of the books. So he definitely does. Um, Randy has also been uh, the chair of the family law section of the American Bar Association, as well as the State Bar of Georgia and the Atlanta Bar Association. So Randy, I, I really appreciate your taking time out today to do this episode with me. We have, we have any time left? That was a yeah. great introduction. Thank you, Susan. Well, there's a lot to say. I, there's more. I have I have no, another no, couple no, that's, of pages. That's more than enough. <laughs> and well, and I will have the rest of, of your background in uh, in the show notes. But the reason we're getting together today to talk on the Learn to Mediate Online podcast, people out there who are listening might be saying, well, great, he's a family law attorney. Why are we talking about this? Randy recently did um, an article that I saw on LinkedIn. Um, by the way, if you're not following Randy on LinkedIn, you're one of the few people who's not because he's got something like, I don't, have you hit the max at the 30,000 or the 35,000 yet? No, I, I, I have followers with LinkedIn. It's interesting. They reached out to me to be what they call an influencer when they first started this program. And I didn't know how it worked, but they said, write about stuff and we'll let anyone who's a lawyer, you know, know about it. So, you know, and I thought it was a joke. I thought they were going to call me and say, you've been punked. But um, <laughs> so I've got a lot of, a lot of followers, but yeah, I haven't maxed out on the friends yet. So I'm happy to connect with family law people, mediators. Yeah, and Randy's a wonderful connection to have. So, but he he posted this article and it uh, influenced the title of this episode. It's called Trial by Zoom. Uh, and I just, I read it and I thought, what a fantastic, you know, adjunct to what we've been talking about on the podcast about mediating by Zoom, doing online dispute resolution. Uh, but Randy wrote an article and participated in a trial, an, an online trial recently that he wrote about. And, you know, I, I thought his conclusions were were quite informed and informative. So we're going to talk about some of his thoughts having gone through the process. But, you know, Randy, why don't you just give us the setup of how this came about in the first place, the trial by Zoom? I will. and I, But I got to tell you, it is a little bit intimidating to be on your podcast talking about mediating by Zoom and using Zoom when you're the one teaching the whole country how to do it. So... You know, trust her, not me. She, oh. she knows her stuff. Um, but what happened is I teach a law school class at Emory, and it's a trial class. And in Georgia, as you heard Susan say, we have trials by jury. So it's a jury trial class. We use a family law fact pattern. And each week, the students do another exercise. One week, they do opening statements. The next week, they do closing arguments. Learn how to, they learn how to cross-examine expert witnesses. And the final exam is a trial in the Fulton County or the DeKalb County, Georgia courthouse, where we bring in real jurors, real judges, um, real witnesses, experts, uh, business valuation folks, and they pair up and there's two lawyers per side and there are four dockets. So there are, you know, 16 students, but there are four trials going on. And this year, of course, we couldn't do it in the courthouse. And so, you know, everyone knows most law schools went to pass fail and we went to a pass fail. We could have let them pass or fail based on the stuff they'd already done. And, and, the students and the faculty said, no, let's try it because it's going to happen anyway. They need to know how to do it, right? That's the future. It's what you're talking about, Susan. So we did a whole trial by Zoom. We had a real judge learn it. We were lucky we had a safeguard. We had an Emory Tech person as backup to make sure we could push people into the waiting room, which is what Zoom calls it, but we called it the sequestration room. So people didn't have to go out to the hallway. And, um, and we learned a heck of a lot, but it was the first trial by Zoom that I know of, especially in Georgia. And uh, these judges are now talking about it. And when jury trials resume uh, in Georgia, there may even be some by Zoom when we figure out how to let jurors go to a place where there's Wi-Fi or if they have Wi-Fi. That's down the road. Um, but private judges, private juries, 
those are all coming soon and definitely bench trials by Zoom are happening now. Yeah, I think, you know, I think I've always said with online dispute resolution of any kind, the future is online. And I really think we're there now. I think COVID and, and the advent of what we're going through right now has brought us to a place where even when we come out of quarantine and, and self-distancing, uh, the, the online world is going to be a part of what used to be a very non-online world. So, right. even- and the things we all take for granted now that we didn't before, you know, the video quality from your cell phone is sufficient. Nobody carries a video camera anymore. Nobody uses that when they go on vacation. So there are some things that, that happen to be in place, you know, right time, right place. If, if pandemic happened 20 years ago, there'd be a lot of people waiting to get to court and the backlog would be incredible. But, um, but you know, we learned a lot of things. I'm sure it's the stuff you've talked about before, but some of the learning points we talked about before we started the podcast were uh, the, the fringe benefits, the idea that, you know, if you're a lawyer, you don't have to worry about traffic. You don't have to worry about getting down there. You don't have to about worry about your client getting lost in traffic, or being late and being embarrassed that your client's not coming to court on time and having to apologize to the judge. The client's less intimidated. The client doesn't pay for me to drive to court. Good for the client. Maybe bad for the law firm, but I'm not worried about that, that, the nickels and dimes. Um, so there were a lot of things we learned that we thought about after the fact, but the real stuff was during the trial, was it going to work? Could the judge see the evidence? Could the judge get a sense of it? And while you couldn't really smell and feel and taste the, the lawyers like you would in a real trial, certainly they saw the evidence. Someone says, I'd like to introduce a financial affidavit. Boom. It's on the screen. Judge sees it. There's no fumbling. There's no, oh, that's the wrong copy or that's my highlighted copy. It's exhibit A share screen. Exhibit B, we save trees. How many how many trees would we have had to cut down to make all the copies? I'm a copy freak. I make extra copies when I go to court. So yeah. we didn't need that. But there are just so many, you know, but, but I think you and I touched on probably the most uh, visible difference and nuance that was pretty cool was the objection paddle. You know, students, some were creative, some just wrote on a piece of paper, some made paddles. If they had an objection, they raised it, it was polite, the judge recognized them, and the other side um, deferred to them. Uh, once or twice, the student had to also turn, unmute themselves and, and say, judge, I'm objecting, you know. Um, but judges became more self-aware too. You know, how many times have we been in trial and you see that the judge is not paying <laughs> attention or checking his or her Facebook? Right. Well, yeah. guess what? When a judge does that and they see themselves on the screen, all of a sudden, they become aware that everyone can see exactly what they're doing. And it's, you know, especially if it's being recorded. Um, and the same same holds true for me. I mean, I'm I'm litigating a case or I'm on mediation, and I can see, you know, my tie, you know, it was crooked because I got up to go to the bathroom and I didn't straighten up again. You know, there are so many little benefits, but those things were secondary because it worked. You know, the 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 facts got across, the passion came across. These these, I mean, these students. I love teaching law school. I mean, I learn every time I watch a class, and and I think, how did that student do that? How did and I. You really believe that? I mean, I think these facts are real. And I've taught the class six or seven years. And every time it's the same back pattern. And I feel like this is the first time this case has been tried. So um, it did not feel different from that point of view. And, and I guess maybe the most surprising benefit, and some people would call it a disadvantage, is that you have to pay attention. You know, we do conference calls sometimes or you go to court and somebody's arguing and you're checking your cell phone on the side. Everything you're doing is being captured and people are watching. It, it makes you more alert. So uh, that was one of the, the, the benefits, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, that's one of the things that jumped out at me in the article that you wrote, because it not only some of the things that you pointed out that we just that you just mentioned are things that I think also translate into the mediation process um, and are things that I actually talk about in my my training as benefits of online mediation. But some of these things are very particular to a trial situation. And I had, since I don't participate in online trials, I hadn't really thought about them. But first, first thing I want to say is I wish I'd had this class when I was in law school. What it, what yeah, it, me too. kudos to Emory, because what an amazing yeah. program that sounds like. Um, but just the thought of, um, you know, when I read one of the first uh, benefits that you talk about in this article was that concept of making objections in that very visible way, but not in the jumping up, I object, you know, like we think of in a courtroom with the big, you know, the chair flying backwards and the attorney, you know, yelling out in a courtroom. You said the way you, you described it in the article was, Making objections was much easier and more dignified. Uh, and I loved that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Zoom and all the other t- online uh, videos, resources are going to have a legal app, right? A trial app, a mediation app, where you just press zero on your keyboard and, and there's an objection image that shows up. Or maybe people will change their screensaver, their virtual background to switch from the you know ocean or the city background to a big OBJ <laughs> Uh, Or a red, Um, it turns red behind them or something like that, right? Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I uh, recently have had some of the founders of some of the alternate platforms to Zoom, like Legaler and Modren, which are dispute resolution platforms for dispute resolution professionals. And I'm wondering, I've been only talking to them about mediation. I'm wondering if they have thought about, you know, something as simple as how would people make an objection in an online trial? And if they haven't, what great feedback to get to them. Because, well, we Zoom... Or, or a timeout. Yeah, yeah, timeout, like everybody. Right. Time, mediator, I need a clock. How do you... There'll be... Absolutely, there'll be uh, programs for that. But you know what I was thinking, and I didn't put this in the article, but one of the best things for mediation and for trial is when the clients ask you beforehand and they're trying to prep for it and they want to know what's going to happen. One question we always get, and this is a great one, is do I have to be in a room with him or her? <laughs> well, guess what? That, you know, nobody says, I want to be in the room with him or her. I mean, that, that is rare. And if that happens, then I, I step back and I say, maybe it's, why do you want to be in the room? Have you been patted down and let's make sure that security's there? You know, so who wants to be in a room with someone they're litigating against if they don't have to? It's a, uh, rare. So this solves that without us having to ask the judge for permission to have a bailiff stand in the room. We don't have to pay for a sheriff or security. So lots lots and lots and lots of benefits. And that's a, a benefit sort of in two different ways I've I've found, at least in mediations, because I had people who would interview me to be their divorce mediator who would say, Susan, divorce mediation sounds like a great way to do this. We love the benefits. It sounds great. But we cannot handle sitting in the same room with each other right now. And this caucus idea where we're in separate rooms, that doesn't sound right either. So we're just going to go with litigation. And I point out to, in my training, you know, this way they still have that benefit of communicating through seeing each other, which is so impactful when we can see right. the other person's um, face, when we can hear the inflection in their voice. But they have the 
the emotional distance of being distant. And that can be very helpful. Yeah. And, you know, they're hybrids. I was, we were talking again before we started this, that in our office, we have a courtroom and we're expanding it. And it'll be a real courtroom, actually, with some jury seats in case we have jury trials. Um, but if somebody really wants to be there and wants to see the judge or be in person, they can be in the courtroom and we will have screens on the other table so that it does feel like they're in a courtroom. And those people that don't want to come don't have to come and those that do. So you can do hybrids. You can do half in person. You know, we had a, an arbitration or mediation, uh, a temporary arbitration uh, a week ago. And our client and two of our lawyers were in our big conference room, all 12 feet apart. And the other side, um, the two lawyers were together and the, and the client was in another room. But, you know, some of the people were together, some weren't. It's, you know, to each their own. But just so many more options with technology. And, and it's amazing to me, not only that the technology works, uh, because the video works, but that the connections work. And yes, there are some stutters and sometimes the sound goes out for a minute. But can you imagine, I mean, everybody is using smart devices, everybody that's doing this. And so it's not like the use has just, you know, gone up a little bit. Nobody's on landlines anymore. Um, and it's amazing. Kudos to the carriers and to AT&T and Verizon and whoever um, for, for being able to manage this, this, this communication. And it's only going to get better, right? 5G, yeah, oh. 6G, whatever. Yeah, well, and what people don't realize is just how much bandwidth it takes to do live video feeds. Um, you know, right now, you and I are also taping this on video for those who are watching it on the YouTube channel. And yours is a live video feed. Mine is a live video feed. So when you're doing a trial or you're doing a multi-party mediation or arbitration and you have every single person doing a live video feed, that does take a huge amount of bandwidth. And yet oh, people yeah. are able to do it. Um, yeah, the, the you're too young to remember. Yeah. You're too young to remember. But when we used to download over the dial-in, if you wanted to download a movie, it would take three or four hours to download I do. it. Sadly, I do remember that. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable, right? That you know. Well, and I, so I was just thinking in, in a two, another thing that you just mentioned that I think is significant with a trial that's online is that it can automatically be recorded. You have a recording of your entire proceeding just you know, by pushing they, um, a button. So this, this, the Georgia Supreme Court, they're going to issue a rule, you know, a uniform Superior Court rule saying this is how virtual trials will happen. They are to be allowed, not in juries, um, but in cases uh, where people either waive their right to a jury or they don't have a right to a jury, the courts can proceed by video. And they asked for comments and suggestions. And my comment was to put in a sentence that says something like, if you cannot arrange a court reporter to participate and the the app or the or the device has the ability to record it allow that as a backup for now something's better than nothing because you know how do you make a record something in mediation you don't worry about but a trial if the judge makes a mistake you've got to preserve that mistake and the way you preserve it is a record but it's got to be an official record you can't just keep a cell phone in your pocket and say ah i recorded it but if the courts say okay zoom's recording feature will suffice, great. I don't want to put court reporters out of business and it will still have to be transcribed by an official professional licensed court reporter, I'm sure. Um, but there's just so much uh, way that people can save money, save time. And if you don't appeal it, then you're not paying for a whole big transcription and, you know, takedown. Takedown costs is 20, 40, 50 bucks an hour just to have the court reporter there typing it down. How about if you just have it recorded and you take it down or transcribe it later if you think there was legal error, right. which is code for if you don't like the result. <laughs> so, right. 
There you go. There's the voice of experience, folks. <laughs> yeah, but, isn't it funny how clients want to appeal? Well, the judge got it wrong. Can we appeal? No, the judge didn't like you and thought you were lying. That's, <laughs> that's not appealable. You know, if the judge says... The, the judge didn't the judge says, think you were nice. Right. <laughs> not appealable. If the judge admitted hearsay evidence that was inadmissible, that's appealable. But if the judge said that I don't think that you're a better parent because I just don't feel it, that's sort of hard to appeal. So, right. you know, that's, that's a hard conversation to have with people. But uh, and, and some judges don't help us out. Some judges just rule. I love when a judge will say, just like you teach in mediation, you know, if you're going to do reality testing, you have to explain why. Thinks he should give her or vice versa. Um, if you explain why, people digest it a little better. They may not like it, but at least then they don't think, well, the judge didn't get it. No, the judge got it and the judge just didn't agree. Right. And in the end, that's that's why I always tell people with mediation, don't leave it up to the man or the woman in a black robe. Make the decisions yourself. You, but, you know what I do, Susan, to that? I tell my clients, I say, think about, just envision, get a mental picture of your best friend who's very rational and normal, who you trust. Now get a mental image of your worst friend, the person you couldn't stand and you would never let them trust to babysit your dog. Which one do you think the judge is going to be more like? Because you know what? You have no idea. It could be the judge is like your rational friend or the judge could be like your irrational friend. And that's a crapshoot. You know, who wants to put their lives in the hands of somebody they've never met? Apparently 5% of litigants, but as we know, yeah. but yeah, no. And that's, you know, I, I, I hope that the availability of online mediation and online dispute resolution process, you know, availability of arbitration, mediation, et cetera, online is going to help uh, people even move more into the direction of alternative dispute resolution. Um, but the the other, you know, things that struck me um, that I think also flow into an online mediation or arbitration, but you, you mentioned the trees. You saved a lot of trees in, with an online trial. And, and I did the same thing. And a lot thing. of exhaust. And a lot yeah. of, you know, exhaust into the air and a lot of gasoline and a lot of, you know, parking attendant fees. And yeah. Well, just think of that. I, I just remember being in my office with my paralegals and everything, getting ready for a trial. And I'd be hearing the copy machine out in the hallway going ka-ching, 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 making like eight copies of each exhibit yep. so that we had one for the court reporter, one for the judge, one for, the, right? You know, think about how- One for the special file we keep in case the paralegal or the associate can't find the document you need. You have your own- yeah, then you have your own backup file because yep. nothing a lawyer hates more than being unprepared, right? So what do we do? We overprepare. Overprepare. Yeah. No question. And, and that's why we wheel, you know, suitcases full of documents into courthouses. But the beauty of an online proceeding, whether it be mediation, whether it be arbitration, whether it be a trial, is everything needs to be electronic so that you can share it on the screen, so that you can send it electronically to the court if that's how it's being handled. Um, and so, you know, when I went to a fully online office a few years ago, I eliminated, other than when I'm doing interviews and I print out bios so that I don't forget any of the important things about my clients or about my interviewee well, subjects. Um, for the most part, you know, things have gone online because if you're doing an online proceeding, you need things to be online. Uh, but you also only need one copy of them, not the eight copies that you used to make to get ready for a trial. So I think that's a significant benefit as well. Right. Well, sometimes, I mean, if you make copies, I'm, I'm doing this podcast from my 
iPhone 11, and I've got my other iPhone 11 in case this goes down. So I still like the backup, the belt and suspenders, but it's just in a different way, right? We've got computers, and exactly, I've got mine in my other room. Um, yeah. Because if it goes down, you're in trouble. You know, people used to say, I was one of the first lawyers that used to always use PowerPoint in, in court. And it's not because I'm special or I like, you know, fancy stuff. It kept me on track, you know, preparing a slide, and then it, it made sure I didn't miss, you know, so one slide is the children, one slide is the house. I knew doing my opening, I wouldn't forget to talk about the house or the car or the employment contract or whatever it is. Um, but people would say, what happens if the technology goes down? And I learned, you go to the courthouse early, you have backup, you get one of those little plugs that turns a three-prong three hole into a two-prong hole. Same thing with technology, right. just have a backup. If this podcast didn't work, I would swap out the phone that I'm looking at and I'd use this other one. You got to have backup. And if we're a lawyer and a client's paying us a lot of money to be ready, you know, don't, don't just say, well, I think this Zoom thing or I think this, you know, Google Duo thing works. You got to practice. So there's no, it's not an easy switch over to it. And again, we did have the crutch at the Emory class with the Emory technology people. Um, but if you're not good at it, hire a young lawyer, hire a young associate, hire a summer clerk, hire a, a student in college that needs some extra cash to be your video technology expert. It's what they do all day long. Right. I can't get my daughter off her device if I need help. I'd have to yank her device away and say, you teach me how to use my device and you can use your device. But, you know, <laughs> well, there are experts. After, there are lots of 12-year-old experts in the world. There, that's who my my social media manager is, my 22-year-old stepdaughter, and my yeah. IT podcast guys are my 22-year-old stepson. So I yeah. completely understand that. Um, and I, I think that that's actually a really good point. But the other thing for people to remember right now is, you know, Zoom has something like 600 million new users in one day last month. So the world is conversant. Two months ago, when you said, let's Zoom to somebody or Zoom bombing or, you know, any of these, you know, Zoom as a word, as a verb, people didn't have a... Uh, any idea what you were talking about now right. it is a part of our language it's like saying like Kleenex. google what was yeah, like google like google was a number that was you know had a hundred zeros or a thousand zeros or whatever it was that's all it was and exactly. amazon amazon was a river, <laughs> <It> was a river. <laughs> exactly so we're we're definitely you know moving in a direction where i think more and more people are getting comfortable with the technology. It's a really good point that you make about the backup. And certainly if we're going to be doing trials, um, there, there will have to be on all ends, right? Every participant needs to have some backup. But there's there's other benefits that you mentioned um, that I've also found sort of carry over from a mediation. And one of them was that everybody was on time. Yep. Everybody showed up because you know no what they excuses. have to do? No, right. They have to no sit excuses. down at their computer and turn it on Judge, or get their phone out. That's right. There's a backup and a back technology, and you're charging $300 an hour. I guarantee you can find somebody for $25 an hour to sit right next to you and manage your phone and make sure your computer works and teach you how to use Zoom. And so you'll make $275 an hour for the first one. Or right. if you have really wealthy clients, you can say, you know what? I'm, you're going to pay someone $50 an hour to sit next to you to make sure that your trial doesn't fall apart and that the technology works. I mean, we bring people to trial to use PowerPoint. But uh, this technology world, that, I know this isn't on topic, but you know about StarSona too? Yes. Oh, gosh. Please do tell us about StarSona. You mind? So, so one of my side things is, you know, I, I, we represent some athletes like you talked about in the opening, and I'd always see them stop in court and do selfies or videos with clients, and I thought there should be an app for that. 
where they can just, you know, normal people can find them. Well, during this time of technology, it's perfect. You want to find a star to do a birthday wish for your kid or to follow you on Facebook. You go to this app we created called Star Sona. You find your favorite musician or basketball player, see what they're charging. They're giving the money to charity and you pay 40 bucks or 20 bucks. And they'll say, Susan Guthrie, congratulations on your millionth podcast or 1 million viewers or whatever it is. And, um, and it's a fun thing. They can do it from home. So it's, I mean, it's a good, cool thing, but I'm feeling good because they are now relevant and connected, even though they're not on tour and they're not in arenas. Um, it, I know it really doesn't have a lot to do with what we're talking about, but I was just thinking all the things you can do with technology. It's just, you know, it's a new world and um, I'm so happy to be a part of it. My grandfather used to say I was born too soon, but uh, you know, I'm glad we were born when we were and not 50 years ago and missed out on this whole evolution. This is really a, something to see and something to be a part of. Well, and it, it is exciting. And I, I, I love that you say that because I think about it, you know, you and I, you, I think maybe you have a couple years on me, but not a lot. I've been practicing. No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just creeping up on 25. I'm about to graduate from law school um, 30, 30 years ago. Um, but it's, you know, think about when we got out of school and I remember my first, you know, firm was still using those carbon sheets that you put between two pieces of paper yeah. on a Selectric typewriter. And now we're in a world where we are literally doing... Or the purple ink, whatever you call that graph, that whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all of that. And, and it's, I mean, it's a lifetime, I guess, of... of time away from that period. But we are in such an exciting growth period for our profession and for the legal profession and for the world because the legal profession serves the world. And Wait. we're going to be able to be, do such so much more for people by being more accessible. It's funny. You and I, we, we talked for a while before we started this podcast yeah. because we talked about a lot of stuff. And we talked about how lawyers are always late adopters. They, they just don't like technology. You know, websites. I remember there were eight law firms. We were one of the first eight law firms in Georgia to have a website. And I just used to think Coca-Cola has a website. They're a real company. If I, I want to be a real company. I want to have a website. But it took a while for lawyers to have websites. Why do we need a website? Why do we need an email address? Why do we need a cell phone? I mean, lawyers should be ahead of the curve. And I think here finally is a place where necessity is a mother of invention. Lawyers may not like technology, we're using it because we don't make a living and our clients don't get results if we don't use technology. So we're being forced to use it. And it's a good thing. You know, we, you know, clients use it. Clients come to my office, they open their MacBook and they show me their financial circumstances and the evidence they have of their spouse cheating. Everything's on their computer. Right. How do I not know how to use technology? Right. I need to be at least as, as current as our clients. Well, that's always been my experience. You know, when I went online with my mediation practice five years ago, I never found it was difficult to find clients who were comfortable in an online platform. It was always the other professionals who were uncomfortable with the concept. But I do think always. that we're being brought into the new era, whether we like it or not now. And I, I will tell you, you know, having trained 10,000 plus mediators in the past month or so, the feedback that I'm getting is universally and almost unilaterally positive. Uh, people yeah. are excited. And, well, and they that's also have the low expectations, too. I mean, a lot of people thought, ah, video, virtual, it can't be the same. So I think, you know, nature or human nature has lowered the bar. And we put such an emphasis on, and there's something about in-person mediation, and it's never going to go away. There's something about getting the parties to actually eyeball each other maybe at the end and say, look, do you really want to 
pushed us to court. Do you really want to spend this much money on lawyers? There's something about that dynamic that, you know, I don't know that we'll ever replace that. But there's a trade-off in everything. You know, I hate to say this, and maybe I'm a pessimist, but people are going to go back to work. The virus is still going to be there. It's going to be a risk-reward. People are going to have to take a risk in life. And the question is, when do you take the risk? When does the benefit of going out in public outweigh the disadvantage of going out in public? So the benefits of Zoom seem to outweigh the disadvantages of Zoom right now to me. Um, but there will be exceptions, just like with every generalization. And I think that's very, very true. But I, I what I loved most about your article was that you sort of, it, it comes across as you took a very, you know, topical overview of the process and sat down and reasoned it out and had a very favorable thought, you know, thought about how that turned out and that this is something, if not how we're going to do everything in the future, it certainly has its place in our profession. No question. No question. And if you snooze, you lose. If you snooze, you don't Zoom, right? (laughs) You better be with it because, look, I'm an old guy and I'm learning how to Zoom. So I know these 25 and 30-year-old lawyers that are just coming out, they're, they're not worried about it or afraid of it at all. And I don't want a client to come in and say, I don't want this old lawyer because he or she doesn't understand the new world and technology. I, I better understand it. I better know it inside out because whether I like it or not, that's my profession. And, uh, you know, I can be at the forefront or I can be falling behind and I don't want to fall behind. I, I like being out there. I like learning. I like um, educating myself and, you know, watching your videos, your podcasts and learning about mediation by Zoom. And there's just so much to learn. I guess that's why we call it practicing law, right? It's, you know, it sounds like so cliche-ish, but it's true. We're practicing because we're never perfect. Yeah, and and you know, I do th- the the fact that we're able to be a little creative, um, still be able to do what we do, but find new ways to do it, new ways to help people. Uh, your idea of putting a courtroom in your new uh, you know office space to me is absolutely bordering. I'm on so brilliant. thrilled. I'm so I can't wait for you to come up and see it next time I you're can't. in Atlanta. We're going to do a virtual trial with you. I, I can't wait to come see it. I can't wait to travel. Um, yes, but as soon as I can, I will be in Atlanta to see that. So, Randy, this has been very exciting. I hope that, you know, this has opened my listeners' eyes a little bit even further beyond, you know, just dispute resolution. But we can, you know, do full-on trials here. And Randy participated in one. And this is, you know, this isn't a guy who's just done a trial or two in his day. Trust me, he's spent a little time in a courtroom. And so if he can, if he can see that... That there's a benefit to this. I think we all can, and it's an exciting time. So I want to make sure people know how to get in touch with you. Can you tell people the best way to reach out? Sure. I mean, you can Google me, Randy Kessler, or um, Divorce Protect. That's the book website, which has our information. That's probably easier than trying to remember Kessler Solomiati or KS Family Law. So randykessler.com or Divorce Protect. But thank you so much, Susan, for letting me be a part of this. And all the other, I'm just humbled to be in your company, your presence, and we've got other such great guests. You know, we're talking Laura Wasser and Michelle Lawrence, and just the people that you you get to be on your podcast. It's a, it's a credit to you. So kudos to you and congratulations and keep on doing the good work. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for coming on. And I'm, uh, I'll be having you on again as soon as possible. So thank you very much. Can't wait. Can't wait. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, and if you liked this episode, please give me a five-star rating and tell me what you did like in a review. Join me each Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. to hear another episode, and be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss one. 
Send me your questions and comments at susan at learntomediateonline.com. And you can find out more about my trainings and programs at learntomediateonline.com. I'll see you next week.